0: Honestly, I don't try and overthink content too much nowadays. I try and go off of experience and just post it. And I think that's also what helps with the frequency aspect of things. A lot of people tend to like not post because they want to make everything so perfect. And what has helped me is even if in my mind, I feel like, okay, if I spend an extra hour on this, it might get 6% better. But is the ROI worth it? Probably not. So I just decide to post it. And that allows me to like just shoot more shots because I'm not scared about, oh, it needs to do so well or not. What's
1: going on, everybody? Welcome back to my social life. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by surf. And this is the podcast where we teach you how to grow on social media by talking to people who have actually done it. People like Sahil Var, who has over 500,000 followers on TikTok and is collecting over 40 million views per month across social media. And I cannot be more excited to have him here on the podcast today.
0: Welcome to the show. Jacob, thanks for having me. Excited to be here.
1: My pleasure, man. Excited to have you here. And where I want to start, I think, like I told you before, we're going to focus a lot on TikTok. For this particular conversation, we're gonna have, yeah. but I do think it's important to set the scene for the audience, just like your, your football soccer background, because yeah. obviously your TikTok is so tied into the game. So, can you give like a quick thirty second rundown on your background playing soccer football?
0: Yeah, for sure. So I was born in Austria in Vienna, so kind of a big like football soccer culture there, and. Um, Growing up, like in my family, like my dad, my brother, my brother played too. So I just played growing up. And then, so when I was like 9, 10, we moved to Canada. And when I moved, I had a broken leg, but then I recovered. And then I started playing recreational around like 12, 13, which is like once a week, nothing serious. And then at around 14, when I entered high school, started playing competitive soccer just for an amateur club. Did that for a couple of years, then went on to play university soccer and, um, Got cut, long story, then went overseas to play in Austria, and now recently just had a trial in Dubai and that looks to be the next move. So a lot of different places and the goal is just to reach that professional level.
1: Yeah, and so growing up as a, as a football fan, I'll use football because obviously that's yeah. As a football fan, you know, you consumed a lot of football content My Mike Channing. Matt Sheldon, free kickers, yeah. like, those are some of the big guys you watched growing up, right? Like, Now, today, being somebody who is a footballer making content, like what impact do you see those two, those channels having on you today?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So, free kickers, they used to be like the big YouTube, football YouTube channel back in the day. So, I started making videos in high school, I think it was around grade nine. I like, I asked my mom, like we went to Costco, picked up a camcorder and then I would watch free kickers and they made tutorial videos, they made free kick videos and I'm like, yo, this is kind of cool, like I feel like I can do this. So I got the camcorder and I started recording. So free kickers made a big impact in me starting my journey of content creation. But back then it was like one video every couple weeks, took a year off, it was just for fun. Matt Sheldon was special because what he did, he kind of changed the game. He documented his journey of making it to the professional level. He's at the level now and he just keeps documenting it. And it was very interesting to see like the behind the scenes Of a professional soccer player because oftentimes you only get to see the highlights you only get to see the the good parts but he showed all the different behind the scenes so he was a big inspiration for me I would start tuning into his journey and then I remember when I made that move over to go and play in Austria for the first time I thought hey let me start documenting my journey and share it with people because I can help out and it will also be something cool to look back at for myself so they both had two Interesting roles in, in my content creation career.
1: Th- that note you just said there about being able to look back on it for yourself, mm-hmm. that's so big. Like, I have a vlog that I do that I don't really tell anybody about. Yeah. Like, I just record videos whenever something I'm doing something cool and I just enjoy them to go back and look at, look back to myself. Like, they're not nice vlogs or anything, but I just think that's a cool thing about that. Not a lot of people think about when it comes to content creation is like for the first time ever, like future generations are gonna be able to look back on their parents and grandparents and get a really good understanding of who they were at. 20 at yeah. 23 like i think i if i could i would pay a disgusting amount of money to watch like vlogs that my granddad made you know what 100%. I 100 mean? it's like that's yeah. just something i always think about when it comes to documenting the journey like this is like your kids and grandkids are gonna be able to watch you going through this journey and experience it with you and yeah. that's not something our generation can relate to we can't go back and do that with our grandparents i just think that's really cool
0: Super valuable. Like even in the moment, you don't often think about it but now I look back at like videos in 2018 and I'm like, I'm so grateful that I captured those moments because there's so much in there that you just forget about if you don't take a picture, if you don't take a video. So, even if it's not like every single day you're creating videos, just having pictures and videos to go along with moments and documenting that process, so valuable.
1: Very. And when you, when you started, so when you go over to Austria and you're making those first videos, those were vlogs, right? And from my understanding, they didn't last very long because vlogs are tough. Yeah. Especially when you're, when you're training and competing and everything. like yeah. So when did you discover TikTok? Because after the vlogs, I'm sure you're trying to find another best way to document it. Was it shortly after that that you stumble on a TikTok? Like, how did that happen?
0: Yeah. So 2018, I went to Austria for the first time. And that's when I started the YouTube vlogs showcasing the journey. That stopped. I wasn't too consistent with it. Then I came back. I had 2019 in Canada. It was, it was a dark year. Uh, 2020, I went back to Austria and I started the the YouTube blogs again. And then COVID hit, and I needed to come back. So when I came back, I was in quarantine like everybody else. And then I heard about TikTok. Gary V was preaching it, and I saw it a couple other places. So I'm like, let me let me try making some content on this platform. So that was my first exposure to TikTok. I think it was April 2020. So, a month after, like, we went into complete lockdown. And I remember the first couple videos. If you go way back, like, down on my TikTok profile, I did comedy videos. So, I did like comedy content. It would be like once every second day. And then now it's kind of different. But that's how the TikTok journey started.
1: In comedy videos. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's how a lot of people started, though, because that's kind of what TikTok was. Like, in that transition from dance to where it is now, there was like a period in the middle where. Everyone, a lot of people popping off were like comedy people. If you weren't doing the singing and dancing mm-hmm. thing, and so I think like I relate to that. Like when I started posting on TikTok, and granted we're in very different places on TikTok. Like yeah. you're a lot further ahead than I am, but I started making comedy videos as well. Like the, the stupid videos I thought would be funny, and like I've noticed that consistently. Like I have a friend, Sean, does magic, who's on TikTok, yeah, and yes. he started making comedy videos originally. Like not even magic. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just a theme I see recurring with a lot of people, especially around that time yeah. when they jumped on TikTok. It was making comedy videos at first, so. When did you then make the switch to football content? Like, was it just the comedy stuff wasn't landing? It didn't feel authentic? Like, why did you make that
0: switch? So, the comedy content was around football. But when I made the transition to, I would say, documenting my journey to becoming a professional, it was on one specific day. It was the first day of 2021. So, that's when I started this day one of day 365 of trying to sign a pro contract. And the idea behind it was I wanted to. So, I realized like TikTok was thriving and a lot of people were going on TikTok and I was doing it on YouTube inconsistently but I thought if I do this on TikTok and document the behind the scenes, the difficult moments, the setbacks, I feel like people could gain a lot of value from that and it would also pop off really well because it's exciting to watch a story develop and, and see will he make it, will he not, what challenges will he face? So. The 1st of 2021, January 1st, is when I had that transition and I got into like more of that value documenting type of content. And now every once in a while I sneak in a comedy piece too, but that's when the transition took place. To talk
1: to you about with that decision, so your goal was signing a pro contract in 365 days originally. Yeah. We're now day five, we're past day 500 now, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like I just saw you recently post that 500 days into the journey. Talk to me about being vulnerable with that and like calling putting your shot out there that's a bold claim to make and you're like it's looking very good right now but the original goal was 365 days so talk to like how do you where's the comfort level with with putting out a big shot like that knowing that there's a chance you don't necessarily hit that goal a lot of people set goals that they know they can achieve that's a goal you're not 100 you can achieve you're gonna do everything you can to get there. But like, how do you, where's the comfort level in that? Like, because you know, people will, if you don't hit in three hundred sixty-five days, people are going to say yeah. things. You know, and even you go in your comments now, people are like, oh, I'm sure like 12th division, yeah. this, you know what I mean? Like, that's, how do you handle the, the hate comments with putting out such a big public yeah. goal like that?
0: Well, so if we were to backtrack, and context, uh, really important too. So I've been going at this for so long. It's been so many different, it's been so many years now. So... If you actually add up all the years that I've been trying to make it professional, it's like day 1,000 something, you know? It's only January 1st, 2021 when I decide to like document the whole thing. But no, fantastic point because, see, I have to be super vulnerable. Like I'm putting out a goal that, to be honest, less than 0.001% of people ever go on to achieve. It's something extremely difficult and it's also a field where it's all about opinions and judgment, right? So people are gonna hate on you, people are gonna have their opinions. So when I set out this goal, which by the way, in 365 days to sign a pro contract, that's incredibly difficult. I knew going in, I had to be willing to take a lot of the criticism and like the feedback that would come in. And um, yeah, I mean, now it's, it's been interesting because year one was like, I set out the challenge, And when you're smaller too, it's a lot like everything's positive, everybody's supporting you. But then as the year went on and like as I'm approaching day 365 and it's not looking like I'm going to achieve it in that first year, that's when people start to like hate. and, And by the way, so much support and I'm so thankful and grateful for everybody who supports me. But once you start like growing the views and the followers, that community of like haters starts to grow and especially going into like the second year when I decided to extend it for like a season two to see if I can achieve it, that's when a lot more of that hate uh, came about. And I mean, yo, the the way I deal with it, honestly, is it's hard. I'm not going to lie. Like, obviously, a lot of people are hating on your content. We're humans. It's, it's It's not a happy place to be. But I just tackle it with empathy and perspective. Like, yo, all those people that take the time out, Gary Vee says it, you know, if you take out the time to like watch somebody's content and then you go out and leave a negative con- uh, comment, like you're in such a bad place in your life, you have such negative energy so just having that perspective and the empathy for those people helps ground myself and also just understanding that most of those people, probably 99.9% of people, have never gone on to achieve uh, even close to the level I'm currently at or will never go on to achieve it ever in their life. And so they just don't understand how difficult it is. And I think just having that perspective in my mind helps me deal with it. But you know what's interesting? There's also like this, how can I describe it? It's like this fuel. It's like this this dark energy that it gives me whenever I see a hate comment. now in the last couple of months. I've just been like taking screenshots. Because I'm piling up these screenshots of people doubting me and telling me I can't do it. And I'm saving them for the documentary that's going to come out in a couple of years from now. So there's also that fuel of like, yo, I'm going to prove you wrong and I'm going to show you that I'm going to make it to that level. A combination of all that helps me and then also setting systems into place, kind of what we talked about before the podcast of not checking metrics too often, not checking comments too often. I check them every couple of days. You know, that's my moment till I go through it and then I detach. I just create and then I go back into it.
1: When, because you said when you first started, obviously a lot of support. You know, yeah. it's like people find this guy who's trying to get a pro contract. That's yeah. so cool. And you're getting all yeah. like pretty much all support in the beginning. When did when did it shift? When did uh, the growth happen? Like when, when you're when you're not just a small TikToker trying to yeah. get a pro contract. What led to the growth?
0: So if you go back to 2021 on my TikTok, so the first three hundred and sixty-five days, the first couple of months, I was injured. So I was in Ottawa, Canada. We were in lockdown. I had nothing going on, but I would Day 7, day 21, I would create anticipation because I was planning to make a big leap in the summer. So back then I was getting 10, 20,000 views per video. It was only in the summer of 2021 when I made that leap and I took the risk and I go all the way to Spain and try and sign this professional contract where there was a lot more traffic on the video. So now it's like 50k, uh, 75k and a lot more people are tuning in. It's still within the first 365 days and it's like, okay, it's his first shot at it, right? He's going to Spain. Let's support him. Let's, let's encourage him. And I would say that's when that first big transition took place. And the second transition where you start, you still have this incredible amount of support, but you, now you're developing that community of haters. Was towards the end of the 365 days where you can see like it's not going to happen. And then also moving into like this year 2022 at the beginning of this year i had a really difficult situation come up where i had to cancel a lot of my football plans because one of my family members got sick and i decided to prioritize that and i think the decision to do that that also created a lot of judgment in people because they didn't have all the context and then you know just like not achieving failing to be honest like I failed a lot of times and when people see me failing and they see me keep trying, they don't like that because I think they gave up and they're not willing to keep trying. So the more I try, you have that community that, that's trying to put me down and it's trying to get me to quit. And that was like the second wave of growth that I would say took place. And yeah, here we are where like there's a big community that is supporting me but now there's also a growing community that wants to see me fail
1: why do you keep going?
0: The reason I keep going, great question, that's a loaded question. So I have a strong why. That's what it comes down to. What is that why? Um, There's different parts to it. One big part that if I had to get down to like what really fuels me. So yes, I love football. I've always had the dream of wanting to play professional football. And there's this big part internally that I want to achieve it and I know I'm going to achieve it because it's going to give me such fulfillment in life but what drives me, like what really drives me to another level of work ethic and dedication and discipline is my parents. So they grew up in Iran and then they had to make the big jump to Austria. So they shifted their life once which is incredible, like that takes so much hard work and they went through so many different struggles and then they decided to do it a second time and they shifted to Canada, that's when we moved to Canada. And after so much hard work and studying for so long and you know, they had to work so many different jobs and late nights and early mornings, there's been so many difficult moments and there still are, I just have this deep fuel inside of me to want to be successful at what fuels me and you know, what is passionate for me to be able to help them out and, and give them the life they deserve. So. That's why I keep going. There's a lot to it but that's like the, the real fuel of it. And oh, I have to add this, I have to add this because everybody who's been supporting the content, so incredible, like that's another big reason I keep going. When I do the meetups in person and I see people come out and I hear their stories and how the content has impacted them and the DMs I get, there's so much in that. And when I'm feeling down and when I'm hit with a setback, I also remind myself that there's so many people who are looking up to me and if I can keep, if I can keep going, I'll give them a little bit of inspiration to keep going and they're going to go on to achieve their goals. So that, that's why I keep going. I
1: want to jump back to the first thing you're talking about of finally achieving that goal. Like, you know, you're going to get there yeah. and when you do get there, you're going to achieve, you're going to get that pro contract. There's going to be so much fulfillment in that. Mm-hmm. Is there fulfillment in the journey for you as well?
0: 100%, I think I'm, I'm very attached to the fulfillment in the journey. I really, I love the roller coaster of it. I love the having the good moments and then having the downs, losing, failing, being hit with a setback. I, I really, really do enjoy it. And I think the fulfillment I get out of it comes from knowing I'm taking on something incredibly hard that the majority of people wouldn't be willing to take on and willing to keep going through those downs. So, when I'm going through a setback or when times get really difficult, I'm willing to go through it and that uncertainty of where will that next high be or that next low be, it's the game. I just, I love it so much. At the same time, of course, that big goal, that, that's going to bring me a lot of fulfillment but I think the up and down is, is what I enjoy. Do you
1: remember the first video of yours that popped off?
0: The first video that ever popped off, off was a comedy video actually. So this was summer of 2020, the same year COVID hit, I was still doing like the comedy videos and we did a video that it was like, <laughs> yeah, I remember the video, It was you know that audio that's like I am lost? So we're showcasing how like defenders and midfielders, they run back like every single time you lose the ball, but the striker just chilling up, you know, at the top of the field, not really putting in any work. I think that one hit 500k, that was like a big moment back then. And then, once I hit like the million mark, I think that was in 2021 when I went over to Spain and I got selected at the showcase and I had like the jersey and that one did like a million something. And ever since then, I've been able to like hit those videos every once in a while. But that was the first moment, that comedy video that popped off, yeah.
1: With being able to hit those ones like kind of consistently now. What is the thread that ties those together, like what do you do in those videos like that you know will lead to them getting a lot of views?
0: Yeah. So there's a couple things I focus on. Um, emotions are huge, like I make sure I, and this is not every single content piece, um, there's a couple different things I think about but emotions are huge so I always want the viewer to feel some type of way whether it's excitement, frustration, anger, uh, happiness. I try and tap into emotion with the type of content I create and the way I do that is I try and share a story in a short period of time and I've been able to, I used to do it in like a 30 second period of time but now, I, sometimes I create videos that are only 10 seconds long and it's just like two different parts to it. And there's like a change in audio, there's like a change in beat and just by like the text I put on the video, I'm able to convey a story and that story gets people to feel a certain way to relate to that type of content, so those videos uh, tend to do really well in terms of popping off. There's like the educational content, the the value based content, but I would say what I try and do is I try and pick something that is not very out there in the field of football, athlete, health, fitness, whatever, and then I try and create it in a very TikTok type of way, like quick cuts. Um, You know, changing like angles, uh, playing around with the text, with the audio. So doing different things like that I think has helped me to like hit those, those videos that tend to pop off. And also, creating debate. That's huge. So that's another thing I think about when I create content. Again, not every single video but every once in a while I'm like, let's create some debate here because when people start to debate themselves in the comments. Video gets more traction, gets pushed out in the algorithm, people share it with other people. So, I think it's good. You know, you create debate, people talk, grow perspective. So those are the different ways that I go about (laughs) creating content, yeah.
1: What are some ways you can create debate? Because one, like you're getting engagement in the comments and people going back and forth but also that video keeps looping in the background so the watch time goes up, people are debating. So how, what are some ways you've done that? Now I know like not everyone listening to this creates football content but...
0: How do you create it in your world? So, the way I create that type of content is I just think about topics that are very debatable. So, and this doesn't have to be football, like whatever topic you're into, whoever is watching this right now, really like think about, okay, your field, what are the main topics that are debatable and then create content around that. And honestly, that's the the way I go about it. I just think about what is something that people would disagree on. Like the other day I made a content piece, what's the most important position in football? And of course like if you're a football fan, you have so many different opinions on that. So that's a content piece that created so much debate in the comments and then like you said the watch time increases, people share it with another, they debate in the comments and those videos tend to do really well. So just find those main topics of debate and go off of that.
1: And you said, yeah, you don't like to look at the analytics at time. Yeah. But obviously, like, making that decision to stir up debate, that's, like, an analytical-based decision. So when you are creating, how much of a thought is this is going to perform? This is a good hook. This will do well for retention. This will stir up debate. Like, Mm -hmm. how much of a thought is that when you are creating? Even though you're not checking every day, like, I'm sure it lives in the back of the mind somewhere. Like, how often, like, how does that impact influence your content when you're creating it?
0: So I create three different content types, three or four. One is documenting the journey, so it's just sharing what is going on with my journey to becoming a professional footballer. Another type is like entertainment. And the third one is value, information, education type content. So, when I create documenting type of content, I I actually try and focus more on just like sharing what happened. And knowing I have that type of content come out, It allows me to create like, be a bit more intentional with when I create the information and entertainment content types. It allows me to be more intentional with like, okay, how can I create debate in in those types of videos. So in terms of like, planning the content, I think one thing that's been big for me is like, I try and create curiosity too in the videos which somehow ties into that debate at times as well. So the first three seconds, honestly, it's the first second of the video nowadays. Are you seeing like the attention span getting shorter? Like how do you hook somebody in a second? Yeah, it's challenging. It's even half a second. (laughs) It's crazy. Like people are scrolling all day. Um, The first half a second, the first second is super important. Three things. Look, it's four. It's either the text. It's the visual, what is actually happening in in the video and that's probably the most important piece because it covers most of the screen. It's the audio or it's the caption that you decide to go with. So when I think about hooking someone onto the video, those are the four things I always think about. The visual is super important, like I try and make sure they see something that is either interesting, curious or again, it causes that debate. The text, text has been huge for me by the way I always preach this like whenever I film content with people I'm like yo make sure there's space up top and make sure the background is not complicated so that the text easily contrasts and I know it sounds simple but I've found those videos to do really well. So I usually pick like a one line, two line piece of text that again creates that curiosity factor for example just one quick video that came top of mind. I think, okay, so yeah, two weeks ago I created a content piece, I think got a couple million views and the first text was, I worked really hard for this. So right away, it creates that curiosity factor of like, what did he work hard for? And it gets people to like want to stick through the end of the video. The visual was me training with a ball. So now like you start to get people interested and you start to get them to paint the picture, okay, it's probably related to football. He's probably an athlete but I still don't know the whole context of things so let me keep watching. The the caption I think I went with was similar to the text, just reinforcing the text in the viewer's eyes. And then in terms of the audio, it was... See what I've been doing with the audio every once in a while is I pick an audio that it just changes in tone and beat halfway through the video and it allows for... So let's say I have a clip and then the beat hits and I have a new clip. I, I can contrast the message of the video or I can kind of share an answer to the question that I created. So, I work really hard for this first clip, second clip is like answering that question or like filling in that curiosity gap. And those are the things that I do to try and get people hooked into the video and watch until the end.
1: That's interesting, using the music as a way to kind of like invoke the emotion you want to invoke. Yeah. So are you editing, are you doing this all in-app? Like how do you, or are you editing it like in Premiere or something? How do you get that, that perfectly timed beat switch or beat drop or tonality yeah. shift? Like how do you do that, like how do you do it like when you're editing the content?
0: So 99% of the time I actually edit in TikTok and what I do is, I, I would say 90% of the time, so 99% of the time it's in TikTok, 1% of the time it's in Premiere Pro. And then 90% of the time, 80 to 90% of the time, I film on my camera roll instead of filming within the TikTok app. But I always use the TikTok editor if that makes sense because there's an option where you have like camera roll, you click it and then you can bring those videos in. So by filming on my camera roll, I can just take those clips, put them in the TikTok editor app and then I just trim them perfectly just to make sure it hits the audio. Because if you film in-app, you just need to make sure you time it right and Uh, It doesn't always work out, so that's the way I go about it. I just camera roll, bring it on, find the perfect audio, and then boom.
1: And finding the emotion that you want out of each video, because obviously there's going to be some different emotions depending on the type of video. Do you like subconsciously know already what emotion you're trying to invoke? Do you take a minute to like strategize, like, yeah, I need to say this to try and invoke this emotion? Or have you been doing it for so long now, it's kind of second nature?
0: Definitely the second nature aspect plays a, a big part into it. There used to be, like before, I used to spend half an hour, 45 minutes thinking about the content piece and like, okay, what text should I put to get this message out because I really do want to provide value in in the content and I do want to be able to like, get across what I'm trying to get across. But now, just because of the experience, sometimes it takes me 5-10 minutes. But I still have those 5-10 minutes where I, I think about, okay, what are the emotions I'm trying to hit with this? Sometimes I replay the video two, three times. Okay, am I getting this? No, let's try this. And then by the end, I just go with it. Honestly, I don't try and overthink content too much nowadays. I try and go off of experience and just post it. And I think that's also what helps with the frequency aspect of things. A lot of people tend to like not post because they want to make everything so perfect. And what has helped me is even if in my mind, I feel like okay, if I spend an extra hour on this, it might get 6% better, but is the ROI worth it? Probably not, so I just decide to post it, and that allows me to like just shoot more shots because I'm not scared about, oh, it needs to do so well or not. But yeah, I do have those, I would say, a couple of minutes where I think about the content, and then boom, it just goes out there.
1: Balancing that of the frequency, but there's also a certain level of quality. I know a lot of people say quality is subjective, but I'm sure if I put you in front of a Martin Scorsese film in a TikTok, you could easily, easily pick out which one's more high quality. Like, in that respect, like how people interpret content and react to it is obviously subjective. But how do you balance, obviously, not wanting to just half ass your content and just putting it out there for the sake of putting it out there, but also not wanting to let an over-index on quality hold back the volume? Like, what's, I guess, an easier question like, what's your posting schedule? What's a comfort level for you? But this is how many TikToks I try to post in a week.
0: Yeah, so I try and do, the goal is three TikToks a day Wow! and lately it's been one TikTok a day. That's like the minimum just to push out one video but I would say three TikToks a day and to be able to match that frequency because what I I don't create a lot of videos and then just post them because I'm documenting my journey. So, a lot of it is in the moment and to be able to sustain that in the moment Being creative, thinking of the idea, filming it, editing, putting it out there. I think in terms of like quality quantity, I realize what has worked in the past and what people want to see and just based on that experience, I try and use that formula and get out the content piece. And then yeah, I mean some days are just so crazy, I can't get out three videos so I just get out one video. But Every video I post, I'll never post a video if I think it's a bad video. So it definitely crosses the filter of this is a good video, it's just I think the experience of posting so much has taught me that spending an extra two hours on an edit because it might be 2% better, which again is completely subjective, is not worth it. So I think as soon as I I kind of like hit that check mark of this is a good video, I'm proud of it. I put it out there instead of spending an extra three hours. And again, a short format, it's TikTok. If you're filming a documentary for YouTube, of course you wanna, you know, you have a lot uh, more of that research process, the reflecting process, but that's what has helped me. And it also sustains the being able to push out one to three videos every single day.
1: You want it to be good enough to not perfect, basically. Yeah. That, and that, that 2% that you're going to spend the next three hours working on is likely something no one else is going to notice. Exactly. And like, and I agree with that. And like my brain agrees with that a hundred percent, but I also keep hearing more and like, I need to spend more time thinking about this myself is like the top of the top, the best of the best in their fields. The reason they're up there is because of that 2% is because they care about the little stuff, even if no one else is going to see it. And so now it's like, it's a, it's a concept I'm wrestling with, which is why I wanted to get your perspective on and to see if it was different from mine. Cause like, I feel like I'm aligned with you where it's like, Yeah, good enough, not perfect, because like, just get it out there, no one's even going to notice. But then, like I said, it might be that little 2% that separates people.
0: Interesting. So when you're talking about the 2%, do you think that applies to every single field? Because for me, I can see how it would apply to certain fields where if you're an artist, you want to make sure it's perfectly crafted and you put out that piece of art. Or if you're getting out a song, you want to make sure like it's the perfect song you're putting out there. What do you think? Is that something that like evenly? Goes out to like every single field when you're talking about spending that extra 2% to like perfect the craft?
1: I haven't thought about it enough, but being completely honest, like if I were to give you an answer, it wouldn't be a fully baked answer. Yeah. Like, I just, it's just something I've been hearing, like coming up in content I've been watching a little more, like this yeah. idea is being thrown out there. Like, I haven't done a lot of thinking on it. I want to say that it is applicable across industry. I also think, for example, in your case, though, I think it's different where I don't think you can go that extra 2% in multiple fields at the same time. Like, you're going that extra 2% in football, but so, it might not make sense for you to take time away from football to do the extra two percent with content. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like, I think that extra two percent comes with focus and it being the priority. And with priority, and priority is another interesting word because. We've misconstrued priority to mean like I have 12 priorities, but like priority is the number one most important thing to you. How do you have 12 things that are most important? Right. But I think for you, your priority is obviously football. Yeah. So your extra 2%, that focus will obviously go to football and your content is different. So in your case specifically, I think it makes 100% sense. But to your point, for an artist or a musician or whatever, theirs would naturally go towards the art. So yeah. it's interesting.
0: Another thing you want me thinking about is I think there's value. And for example, in my case and a lot of other creators can probably relate to this too, is sometimes not doing that 2% because I'm sharing a journey. Again, I have these different content pillars, but I think the imperfection and the not like overly wanting to put out a perfect piece um, builds a lot of authenticity with the audience. And so, I think in that category, it can actually be very beneficial. But whereas sometimes with my information and education-based content, I need to make sure like, I'm edging into that two percent because I got to get the information right. I got to make sure it's filmed correctly, right? Because, yeah, I think it's just it depends on the content and then the fields. And no, it's an interesting one for sure. Yeah, we could definitely spend time on it all day. Cause, and I also think too, like I'm learning more about
1: myself where I feel like I am more autistic than I artistic than I yeah. than I thought I was. Like I always thought I was this business person with a little bit of creativity, but as I Mature and get older, I realized I actually think I'm this creative person with a little bit of business. So it's like a whole perspective shift for me. So I think I'm still navigating, figuring out what exactly that means. Um, But no, which is why I just wanted to get your perspective on it, which I think is interesting. And you've mentioned your four content pillars a few times here. So it's entertainment, education, is it education slash information?
0: Yeah, I would say so. So documenting the process, the story, entertainment, education, information, and then. I guess you could say comedy, but that ties into entertainment.
1: How did you create those kind of those content buckets, those content pillars? Because like, there's yeah. a bunch of different things I'm sure you could have done. Like, you could probably do commentary on what's going on in the Premier League right now, what's going on in pro soccer, the Champions yeah. League. Like, that's not something that's a... You do a, like, a little bit of it. You talk yeah. about but like for the most part, that's not a content pillar. It's like, how did you settle on the three that you have?
0: I think the first one is pretty obvious because like, documenting the journey, so the storyline... The comedy one and the entertainment one, I think I decided to go with that because people enjoyed it and also it was an outlet for me to have a bit of fun with the content that I create. I enjoy it all but like when I film comedy or entertainment like I, <laughs> I enjoy creating that type of content a bit more so that's what got me to decide like this is a content piece that I want to do. Uh, and then the information education piece, I would say the reason I decided to do that is because I wanted to actually provide people with information and with knowledge that they don't currently have to better equip themselves for their own journeys so that they don't go on to make certain mistakes or so that they have access to a certain resource and then they can advance a lot quicker in their career. And I would say with all those content pieces, one thing that's consistent is the feedback has always been great and if people enjoy it and it's something that I enjoy doing too, then perfect equation to get out there.
1: Do you think like each pillar is almost like, like I'm kind of picturing in my head right now as a funnel and like the top of the funnel is the comedy stuff. That's the stuff that will go the furthest because everyone can kind of like have a laugh at that. They'll share it with their friends and then it just builds your brand that layer deeper when you're providing valuable information and they're learning from you now. And then the next level, level below that is the journey, where they're getting more of a personal connection with you. So they show up because of the comedy stuff, yeah. and then you start teaching them, so they start to recognize you a little bit, and they really connect with you through your personal story. That's kind of how I'm interpreting it. I don't know if it's the same for you, but that's just how it's picture, I'm picturing it in my brain right now.
0: Interesting. I think how it's gone for me, because for you, it's kind of an umbrella, right? The way you're picturing it? It's kind of like... A, f- yeah. a funnel almost. So it's a funnel, like, yeah. You have, so you have one, and then it kind of like funnels down. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because I, w- I know a lot of people, like they've been tuned into the journey, like their access point to the journey has been through those different content pillars. So the way I see it in my mind is like I kind of have this, this, this and that's also how I like every single day when I create content, I try and hit one in every single category. It keeps things interesting, it keeps things sustainable moving forward. But uh, no, definitely could be like somebody could tune into a comedy video then get to know about me and then like tap into the education and information then look he's doing a journey that's cool, build that personal connection. But I think it works the other way too where like people have tuned in because of my journey to pro and because I'm trying to achieve this big dream and sharing all the behind the scenes and then once they see I'm doing the comedy content they're like, okay cool, he's not just super serious, he also has like a fun side to him and I can relate to this comedy content and then oh wow he also provides information. And value, this is awesome because now I'm learning from him so much more. So interesting. Yeah, I see it like these different buckets almost.
1: And how has creating this content, documenting the journey, how has it benefited the journey? Because I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're probably getting a few extra opportunities you wouldn't have gotten because people are aware of you as an athlete through the content. Like, What are some opportunities you could think of that you've experienced as an athlete that have come as a result of the content?
0: Yeah, lots of opportunities. So, for example, uh, getting trials at certain clubs through the connections that I made. So, just by having uh, uh, like a page, having a brand where I've created content and people get to know who I am and that I'm on this journey, I've had people reach out to me, different players, different coaches, different scouts, and that's allowed me to make connections Um, easier and bigger which has then led to different trial opportunities so that's one big thing that I'm very grateful for another thing is on the side of like brand deals and sponsorships because as you're chasing this dream of becoming a professional athlete or you know everybody's chasing their their thing right and it's not your main thing it's more of like a side hustle you got to work on it so you need to pay the bills you need to pay your expenses so For me content creation has been amazing because I can document my journey and I can help other people out and at the same time there's opportunities for brand deals now and sponsorships as I'm growing my page and that helps fund the dream and that's an income source which is fantastic. And yeah, I would say one of my most enjoyable things is going out to events. So just by having a presence where I'm doing something very unique. And documenting my journey to becoming a professional player, going out to like conferences, different summits, business events, the people you meet there—you were just at VCON—it's so incredible. And yeah, those are the different perks that that have come into play, which are very valuable.
1: When you go to a trial that like has come as partially a result of TikTok, like obviously you're also there on ability. Yeah, but for all the other guys that are there. Is there, are you like that guy that's there because he's a TikTok? You know what I mean? Like, is there like a mental shift for guys when they're going against you? They give that extra 10% because you're the guy that's there partially because of TikTok? Is that, is that something you've noticed?
0: It's interesting because that dynamic might play out when I go to Dubai back for preseason now, because that club is very super professional, doing things very, on the football side of things, super professional, on the social media side of things, very innovative and like up to the level of where the world is going. And so... In that community everybody's kind of aware of me of different content that's being created but for example when I went to Germany and I'm going on a fourth division trial which to somebody who has never been at those levels you might think fourth division okay that's four below the Bundesliga whatever but players there have played for Bundesliga youth academies from 8 to 19 they couldn't make it and then they go and play in this division making 3-4 thousand euros a month so it's still a very, very high level. But in a country like Germany, I remember I went in February and I'm entering this locker room and you got all these Germans sitting across and nobody really knows uh, about my TikTok. So in that case, uh, because they're not aware of it, I don't think there's a difference on the field but it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out in August when I go to Dubai for preseason, because um, I think there will be some of that, like people will put in an extra tackle. We'll, we'll want to do something extra just because they know who I am, which I'm, I'm ready for. I'm, I like it. Yeah. Bring it on. That's my next question. Do you prefer them to not know or do you prefer them to know? I think I prefer them to know. I like it. You know, I, it's been interesting. It adds a lot of pressure when people know you're on this journey. Again, I'm, I'm shooting this big shot. I put it out there so, if I go and do the trial and I didn't have this presence and I failed, okay, I go back home, you know, and I kind of keep it to myself, I don't share it with people but now that I have so many thousands of people watching, if I go out there and I fail or I have a bad performance, everybody will know. If I go out there and I have a successful performance, everybody will know. So I think going into an environment where people are aware of that, it creates a bit more pressure, it creates a bit more excitement. And I'm learning to create more thrive for that, more excitement for that. So I'm really looking forward to not only going into preseason, but going in there, absolutely killing it, signing that contract, going and having an amazing season and going and playing against teams. They know who I am. They know they're going to play against me, but I still go and score three goals and I still go and have an amazing performance. So that I'm really excited for this season. It's going to be a big one. I'm
1: excited to follow along on the journey. I think that's gonna be really cool. And you said there too with the with the fourth league in Germany, they're still making like three, four thousand euros a month. Which yeah. and like you recently posted a video about the the different in the in England, like yeah. the different payments with the different levels. And I was surprised at how much you're making in the lower divisions. You know what I mean? Like you hear so like the championship, like granted, so what we were talking before I cheer for leads and things like that, and they're talking about like the championship, like going back down the championship is just the worst thing ever. Which like, I understand because they were there for so long, but I was I wasn't expecting. I think it was like forty thousand pounds a month or something yeah. for for players now in, mm-hmm. in that division, which is just insane. Like that, I don't think a lot of people realize that the lower divisions you can still live a very, very, very comfortable life while playing the sports you love, which I think is really cool.
0: Yeah, in the championship. So this is the second tier in England. The best players in that league are still making millions a year. Now, what I will say just. Uh, really like educate people is England and Germany you have a lot more money in those lower leagues whereas like if you go to different countries under the second division you're not really making much money so but at the same time England and Germany are incredibly hard to play in right so it kind of makes sense but yeah the, the competition is really really high and people are never really going to be aware of it unless they've been a player who's been in that environment close to that environment or like you're a really hardcore football fan or you're part of like the coaching staff, you're in that environment and you're aware of how hard it really is to make it to those top leagues that everybody talks about.
1: I'm sure the, the comment you get the most, like in terms of your, your haters on social media, like obviously you talk about like people be like, "Oh, 12th division in this country. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But I'm sure the other one is like, stop posting content folks on football. Mm-hmm. How, like, what's your response to that? Like I know you're not necessarily clapping back to every single person that comments that, but like sitting across from me right now, how do you balance these two things?
0: Creating this content and documenting my journey has helped me so much. I would say so creating content actually helps my football. The reason why is because it gives me accountability. So putting out my journey, it gives me so much more accountability and drive to actually go on and achieve it. It gives me uh, information. By putting out my training videos, by uh, playing a match, looking back at how I played, I can look back at those videos. And I can learn and then go on and improve. In terms of scheduling, what I do is I always prioritize football and training first. So I make sure I'm training anywhere from one to three hours every single day and again intensity depends on if you have team training, if you're in season, off season but I always make sure that that is primary and then I have a lot of free time in the day so whereas other people might spend that time Watching Netflix or playing video games or doing whatever, which I think amazing, there's space for that as well. but um, it's a passion of mine. I love content creation, and so I decide to spend my time doing that. And when people like comment less TikTok, more football, they don't understand that every single day I am training one to three hours, and that TikTok is the time away from training. So Again, perspective and empathy, I think, to tackle that.
1: Would you yeah. still, because you've had a few setbacks now
0: along your yeah. journey.
1: Would you, and I think I know the answer to this, but I'm curious to hear your answer. Had there not been, had you not been posting on TikTok, had you not been documenting your journey where you know now there's a lot of people watching. It. Yeah. Would you have given up by
0: now? I think there's a chance that I would have given up to play at the professional level. think football for me is always like I love football and I'm always gonna want to play it at the highest level I can play but to your point if it wasn't out there for so many people to watch and now also realizing that not only you have the accountability factor but I have the impact that I can potentially make I am making but I can still potentially make as I go on to achieve this goal it definitely gives me a lot more drive in those moments where I have a setback or I have a challenge whereas if it didn't exist I think my why, it wouldn't have been as strong, so the chances of quitting and giving up to play at that level would be higher. I'll never know, right? But 100%, um, there's a lot of extra fuel and drive that creating this content gives me to push through uh, when times get really challenging.
1: Will things change for you from a TikTok perspective when you sign that pro contract for the first
0: so what I'm going to do is when I sign that pro contract, I'm going to transition the content into documenting what it's like to be a professional uh, football player. So similar content style and um, yeah, I think it's going to stay pretty, pretty similar but I'm always looking to evolve. I think one thing that makes me unique in the space and I'm not a professional football player yet but the goal is to showcase the transition of becoming one and when I become one. I want to be somebody who has this unique connection to people around the world and also is tied into the social media space, if that makes sense. Uh, And I don't think it's something that would necessarily need to take focus away from the football. I think it's something that would complement football. So a lot of professional football players, of course, like you only have a football, that's your main focus. And yeah, they do like sponsorships and commercials on the side. But I think one thing that I want on my side as well is being in that like modern social media space where I'm like I know all the main like content creators in the world even if they're not football players and I'm going out to business events and, and connecting and, and doing all that. So that's where I see the content transitioning to. And the long term play by the way is like I want to get into high performance coaching, physical and mental side of things. So right now like I'm building up, I want to max out my athletic career, I want to build the brand. So that in the long run, like 40, 50, 60, 70 years, I want to be the best, the best, like high performance coaches in the world.
1: You said, what was it? 40, 50, 60 years is a timeline you're operating on. How like, why, why do you operate on such a long timeline right now? I feel like so many people are operating on 40, 50, 60 second timelines and you're operating on a year, 40, 50, 60 years timeline.
0: Why is your timeline that long? I can see why people are operating on a short timeline. I have some of that as well, but I would say in the macro, I I have such a long timeline in place because I enjoy, it goes back to what you said earlier about like enjoying the process. I love doing, I love executing, I love failing, I love winning, like the process of things. I don't want to just get to like 35 and stop or I don't want to get to 65 and just stop and retire. I want to be playing, I want to be doing something. And so, I think I've set out these, I've planted the seed for what specific phases of my life might look like. But again, this, this world is so crazy and things are evolving so so fast. You never know what will happen. But for me, I think outlining that 40, 50, 60 year timeline also gives me perspective and uh, patience. It gives me patience knowing like, you know, Gary Vee preaches that there's, you have so much time and just being aware of that every single day, it excites me. It also doesn't get me too nervous about the short term.
1: So how do you then deal with pressure in the short term? Especially right now because you yeah. said there's a little bit of that operating on a short timeline for you, especially yeah. as an athlete, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't try and get a yeah. pro contract at 60. So how do you balance then working on this really long timeline but also knowing You need to achieve these these shorter term goals you've set for yourself.
0: The way I balance that is I have personal routines that I do every single day that keep my mental health in a good place. So I have like a morning routine and a night routine which I don't get right every single morning and night but I try to and I would say the key tools that really help me keep stress and pressure in place are journaling. So in the morning, I like to set intentions for my day and how I want to show up and what I want to achieve and the goals that I want for this day. And at night, it's more of a reflection. So looking back at the day, what did I learn? What could I have done different? What did I enjoy about this day? Journaling is a big one. I do meditation. So I do guided meditations and that really helps just reset myself and ground myself. Exercise is a lifelong meditation for me that just keeps me in check. And I would say, yeah, those are like the main tools. I do visualization and a couple of different things, but those are the main tools that make sure I I stay grounded. Which, to be honest, if you want to achieve excellence and greatness in life, you need to go out of balance at times. I think being out of balance over a chronic or a long period of time is dangerous. But if you want to be great, there's got to be moments in your life where, like, you slightly go out of balance. You stay there for a while. You know, you're doing things other people wouldn't be willing to do, and then you come back and check back into place. And I think the way I'm able to check back into place is by having those routines established and making sure I follow along with them.
1: I like that. I feel like there's such a we for a few years there was like this overindex on hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah. And now there's like a big pullback on that. And it's like balance, balance, balance. But again, I like that your perspective on it. It's not one or the other. It, it can be both. Mm-hmm. And strategically putting in that hustle and that focus on overwork a little bit, like to your point, it is necessary to be great. And like we talked earlier with some of the greatest people, like focus on that extra 2%. Yeah. You can't do that extra 2% if you're being balanced. So I agree. I think I, I want to send you a podcast after this. Um, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan's trainer did. Um, Tim Grover. Tim Grover. Yes. That oh, I recently listened to. I don't know if you know Stephen Bartlett or not. Diary of the CEO. I've heard of him, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tim Grover was a great podcast. I think it's kind of like some of this, the stuff that we're talking about yeah. here. Um, I think is is something you'd really enjoy. And now I want to know, kind of wrapping, getting close to wrapping up here. How often do you reflect back on the whole journey? Not just these last 500 and however many days it's been. You said it's been thousands, over a thousand days that you've been trying to get a pro contract. But even back to that nine-year-old kid with a broken leg who couldn't play, To you know, moving to a whole new country, a whole new continent, having to deal with, I'm sure there was a language barrier you had to overcome, the broken leg, making friends, its probably tough, all the way to sitting across from me right now. You know, you're closing in on signing a professional contract or you've, what is it? You're going for preseason with the opportunity to sign? Of signing, yeah. Pro contract, like how often do you look back on this whole journey?
0: I did, I did a series of podcasts right before I left Dubai, which are out on my YouTube channel right now. And it's called My Football Journey. And doing those podcasts gave me a, a unique opportunity to really reflect back on the whole journey. Other than that, I haven't really, there's not been many moments where I reflect back on like the whole journey which I should do more of, I think there's a lot of benefits in doing that. But I have this journal, so I have like my daily journal and then I have this like legendary journal which I only do an entry in every couple of months, okay? And when I do that entry. I deeply try and reflect back on the previous months and I have my entry and then I close it, put it away and I go on. So in in that context, I would say like every couple of months, I try and do more of a, a deep reflection but the whole life long journey. I did the podcast two weeks ago and I really enjoyed it. I'll probably do more of that and I think it's valuable for everybody to do because there's so many. Things that you've gone through and so many things that you've achieved, so many people you've met and experiences you've had that you forget about unless you decide to take a moment to like look back and reflect on. And by looking back and reflecting on those things, you're then in a much better position to move forward faster, in the right direction, make bigger impact. There's power in that.
1: My second last question for you. We're over 500 days into the, since you publicly have been stating the goal over 500 days in, Preseason's coming up very, very soon. Yeah. The goal you've been working so hard towards is tangibly within reach now. Yeah. How are you feeling in this moment that all the work you put in is being realized and you have a huge opportunity coming up in the next couple months?
0: The level of excitement and ambition and drive has never been higher. Never been higher in my life. That's how excited I am for this opportunity to come up and for me to give it 100%. Injuring my ankle two and a half months ago now, that giving me a problem in terms of preparation and being able to fully showcase myself. And knowing that I now have about seven, eight weeks leading up until preseason, I feel the pressure, but I also have this immense amount of excitement, drive, and ambition. And I love that combination. And I say, just bring it on. Bring on preseason. I'm ready to go out there. Absolutely kill it. Make a statement because there's a lot of people who are underestimating me. So I'm going to go out there. I'm going to make a statement. It's going to be an amazing preseason. It's going to lead to the biggest season yet. And I'm excited for it.
1: I'm very, very glad to hear. I'm very excited to watch the journey. You know, I'll I'll be following very closely to see how it unfolds. Um, but my last question for you today, before we wrap up, I like to flip the script a little bit with this last question instead of me asking the question, you asking the question, but it's not to me. Pretend you have a crystal ball and you can ask this crystal ball, any question you'll get the 100% honest answer. What is one question you want to know the answer to?
0: Ooh, that's a good one. I think to pinpoint the, the perfect question, I would need to reflect on it. But I think in the context of how this podcast has gone, I would. Love to just know the answer to, will I sign that professional contract? I think it's it's just a, it's a special answer to have access to. But now that I think about it, I actually kind of don't want to know the answer, because of what I said earlier—the journey and enjoying the the process. Um, I'll have to reflect on that one. It, no, it's a really good one. It's a really good one. Where my mind is going, it would be some, maybe something around, I think it would be tied into my parents actually. I can't pinpoint the exact question but it would, it would have to do something with their life experience and how things have developed and understanding the why behind it. And I think if I understand the why which I'm trying to do every single day, it allows me to make better moves. In my life, which are more aligned with me and my relationship with them. I think that's, yeah, something along that line.
1: I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. But I want to thank you, man, so much. You know, this has been months in the making, this podcast. So I'm (laughs) glad we finally got to sit down and do it. I want to give you the floor now. Where can the people find you, plug anything and everything you got?
0: So at sohail.var S O H E I L dot V A R on TikTok, Instagram. On YouTube, it's Sohailvar and I'm actually like trying to expand, so I'm on Snapchat now, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, same username. Uh, That's where you can find me, that's where you can follow the journey. And I'm excited to keep sharing the journey and hoping to make bigger impact in people's lives and helping them out.
1: Awesome, man. Well, make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below so people can find it. I want to thank you once again for taking time to come on the podcast. And I want to thank everybody for listening, whether you've listened the entire way through or you only listen to bits and pieces. I really appreciate you for taking time to check this out. Do me a big favor, go and follow So I'll Make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below so you can find it. If you'd like to follow me, you can find me everywhere on social media at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello. My DMs are always open. As always, today's podcast is powered by Surf. Thank you once again for listening. We'll talk soon.